Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Miller and Condon on a Tuesday. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 on the FM dial. uh, Those two signals go back to local programming for the next couple of hours. Trent Condon, Ken Miller, and glad you're with us, at least for part of the next couple of hours, as we man the 10 to noon shift Monday through Friday. The BMW of Des Moines guest list looks like this today. In about 20 minutes or thereabouts, we will... Uh, for the final time, at least on a regular basis, talk to our uh, friend Bama Bob, who covers college football or talks college football with us uh, a couple of times each week during the regular season. And we will dot I's and cross T's on the 2020, what do you call it? 2020-21? I mean, the championship game was played in 2021, I guess. It's the 2020 season. It is, absolutely. Yeah. I agree with you. A season like none other. Yes. Uh, but Alabama wins it, so we'll get into that game here coming up in a minute, and Bama Bob will opine more on that. Uh, and we just don't have a moment when Alabama's good. <laughs> Which is most years, to be mm-hmm. fair. Uh, but uh, so he'll join us about ten twenty-five. Uh, coming up at ten forty-five, we will switch gears a little bit. Ten forty-five, ten fifty-ish. We get into our first look at one of the divisional series. Hopefully, not the most lopsided one. Although the point spread says it will be. We'll get our friend Nick Athen in here. Uh, he's opinionated. He likes his Chiefs. Uh, and uh, we will talk to uh, Nick Athen on the matchup and see what he foresees in the AFC going forward. He'll join us at 1050. Uh, the two-time sports writer of the year, the newly minted two-time sports writer of the year, Tommy Birch uh, in the state of Iowa, will join us at 1105. Congratulations to Tommy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Woodley. Yes. I don't know anything about him. Really good guy. Uh, okay. Met him a few times. Uh, we have some mutual friends, too. He lives right next to Waterloo, Cedar Falls. And, and that's was, his market, Waterloo? Yes. Okay. And he knows my cousin really well. So met him through Keith Murphy one time. And yeah, really good guy. Congratulations to him. A guy that has hustled now for nearly two decades in that market. and Has he really? Yeah. Wow. And, and doing it at a really, really high level. So good to see for one of the good guys yeah. in the business. and. Boy, there's a lot of them around so, here. So, and he anchors Monday through Friday. He's the he's the main guy over yeah, there. Yep, gotcha. Sports guy, him, Rick Coleman, who's been over there for a long time. And I don't know if they have a third. I, they used to when yeah. I lived in Eastern Iowa, but mm-hmm. you know who knows anymore. Good point. Uh, so uh, we'll talk to Tommy Birch and congratulate him on the air. He deserves it. He's kind of uh, branched out to be a features uh, writer now, and he does a great job of it. He he does. Um, Big baseball guy. Yeah, and he's down. He'd be down at Principal Park. That's not wood. That's as close as we have here. Speaking of that, did you see the uh, tweet this morning from Bob Nightingale, the USA Today MLB reporter, saying that uh, there... the Manfred stuff? Yes, that there is reports that he is telling all the teams, get ready for normal Mm -hmm. spring training and for 162 starting on time. I think you have to, but obviously subject to change. Yes, absolutely. Cappy doesn't think. Cappy will join us tomorrow in his regular spot at 11.05, rather, sponsored by Centurion Stone. Cappy said last week when we asked him he would be um, surprised if that's the case. Look, we hope it is. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and we don't have any idea what that baseball season is going to look like as far as fans and ballparks. So, anyways, Tommy Birch at 11.05, and Birchie hopes to be back down at Principal Park, and I know that uh, Michael Gartner and Sam Burnaby and company hope that, uh, to see Tommy Birch at Principal Park. That means there would be baseball in their facility at the AAA level. And then our friend Zubin Mahente from ESPN Radio will be our final guest of the morning. He'll join us at 11.25. We have keywords, give you an opportunity. We're still looking for KXNO's first winner this go-round. Uh, we'll have a couple of those coming up at t- a little 10.20-ish, 10.25-ish, and 11.25-ish. So the game itself last night, Trent, was, um, it wasn't very good. No, it wasn't. It was, there wasn't a lot of drama other than the first 15 minutes. It was close for a while. Um, but then it just, as Alabama does, it, it just gets away. And it's, look out below, right? Sermon going down, I don't think that would have made a difference. No. Uh, because it's not like, I mean, Teague had a decent night. Yeah, he was fine. Uh, didn't he score twice? I think he did score twice in the football game. Uh, Sermon didn't make a difference. It was, um, it was two mismatched teams. And I thought it would be, I foolishly thought it would be close. Maybe that was kind of my heart getting involved because I want the last game of the year to be a good game. And this was anything but that. It was just, there's just so much talent on this Alabama football team. You know who I don't appreciate enough? And I know he was a, what did he, Mac Jones finished third in the Heisman? Yeah. For whatever reason, he, I, I overlooked this guy's senior, his final year, his one year. Um, he was really good, Trent. I mean, he can't run around and save his life. Well, and he's also banged up. And True. He doesn't know how to slide. No, no. And that's going to be a problem. I, I have no idea if he's going to be an NFL quarterback. Look, you have to throw from the pocket. He mm-hmm. does. And he's very very effective doing that. But my good God, Devontae Smith... Who does he just? Who does he remind you of? He is such. A, he's uncoverable. Jerry he, Rice, and, and I'm not being hyperbolic because um, when you think of traditional great receivers, you think of that big frame. Yeah, that was not Jerry Rice. Yeah, he's more skinny. Mm-hmm. Kind of got skinnier yeah. build, but that was Jerry Rice. That was Rice. Yeah, not a big guy, not no. the fastest guy, but a guy that always knew exactly how to run the route, mm-hmm. and when the ball was there, he was going to catch it every single time. What what kind of year he would have had if Waddle didn't get hurt? Because Waddle was the guy with that yeah. the, all the pub coming into the season, and, and Smith walks away with the player of the game last night and all that other trophy. He wouldn't have had wore. the touchdowns, but in terms of catches, I sure it would have been pretty close. So it does I mean does what kind of years? Maybe a better question to ask: What kind of year Mechie ends up having? Because right, yeah. he would have been the number three guy. Right. Oh my gosh, Najee Harris, that defensive line, that Barmore dude, and this is what I was saying yesterday as you and Bama were trying to talk yourself into this being close. And and I told you guys, I think we're going to come here today, and that's what we're doing, trying to put this Alabama team in context of the greatest teams in college football history. This is the fun first undefeated mm-hmm. Alabama Saban Championship right. team. Think about that. Which is ridiculous uh-huh. to think about in its own right. In order to do that, they had to go through a gauntlet that the SEC has never had before. Nope. Ten yep. conference games championship game and then the two games here Mm -hmm. in the playoff to get there now lsu was down and auburn was down uh but they had to beat a florida team and that was a pretty good football game Mm -hmm. as we know that was uh in the sec championship they had the the texas a&m old miss gave them a hell of a game gave them a hell of a game in oxford uh their alabama defense was uh couldn't stop anybody in that football game uh, but yes, your your point's well taken. But it goes back, you know, I think it was sometime at last week. I don't know if it was on the air or we were BSing during a segment. You looked ahead to next year's schedule mm-hmm. for Alabama, and those games are back. You know, wedding weekend in the South. 
uh, the month of November, that I think is week number three. They play LSU and then maybe one other game and then a cupcake before the Iron Bowl. Uh, and it's all those SEC teams. I They have is, two of those games scheduled in November, by the way. That's what you said. Do you remember who they are? I have it here. So they open up the season against Miami. That'll be in, yeah, that's the, good. in Georgia Yeah, at Mercedes-Benz. Right. They also play Southern Miss. Okay. Yeah. they got a pulse periodically. November 13th, New Mexico State. Makes they'll, their way to they'll, Bryant. They'll sneak up on you, Trent. And then a week later, <laughs> yeah. the Mercer Bears. Back to your Alabama. That's ridiculous. Come and I'm on. sure they're both at home. Of course they are. They're yes, both in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because they don't play true road games. No. They play a neutral site. Mm-hmm. They don't actually go on the road. Well, Trent, it was uh, it was eye opening last night watching this team dismantle this Ohio State team, who I thought played a pretty good team the week before in Clemson. Fields is clearly hurt. You could see the punishment that he was taking. Not that it's an excuse. Not that Sermon going out is an excuse. They would have got crushed last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's it's. I think it's fair to ask. You know, where does Florida fit in this scheme of things? Where does Notre Dame fit in the scheme of things? Because they actually played them. I think tougher than Ohio State did last night. Ohio State had no answers. They had no answers for Devontae Smith, who's absolutely uncoverable. Uncoverable. Those numbers he was putting up, like I don't know how long Saban would have kept him in the football game and how much more he had to do in the second half of the game, but he went out in the first series of the second half. Right. And that was it for him. So those, when you look at that box score, you think, boy, he had a hell of a game. Yeah, no, he had a hell of a first half. He could have, it would have been much more um, magnified had he been able to stay in. It was a bad game. It was there was no drama in it for the most part. I mean, they exchanged touch, they exchanged touchdowns early. Uh, you thought when number nine uh, got uh, the targeting call that uh, maybe that's going to be a factor in the football game. It, it wasn't. Uh, Ohio State. There was uh, there were a number of covids, which again. Um, Pisses me off. Not that not that it would have made a difference, but just the fact. Come on, don't we have to know some transparency? No, nope. aren't we at that point where college football has to? I don't care what you have. Availability report: Are you playing or you're not? Are you playing or you're not? Trent, we're betting on these games. You're betting five, ten dollars. I know it doesn't bother you, mm-hmm. and apparently it doesn't bother the people. I mean, with the two biggest bets I saw last night were both money line bets on Ohio State. Wow. Five hundred and five hundred and fifteen thousand dollars. Both of them at BetMGM. Wow, are they ever taken over? BetMGM took two half a million dollar bets. Money line plus two sixty for one of them. Another guy got plus no one was at William Hill. I stand corrected. Mm-hmm. Uh, one guy got plus two seventy at William at, at William Hill. They both got and it didn't matter to them because they both came in very late. I've been saying it for years. I'm a broken record. We need transparency. You have to, and I don't know how you're going to police it. I mean, the the NFL can police it, and right. they do when there's an injury report. But on Wednesday or on Tuesday, available or not, or on Friday, you know, you get through practice, available or not. And That'd be the simplest way to do it because I don't care what the kids got. I you don't can't, want to know. Yeah, you, can't. you can't. They're have, college kids, right? And because of HIPAA, you can't say if a kid said a young adult says, "I don't want." The world to know that I have a knee injury. Mm-hmm. I am out because of that. You can't. Right. You cannot legally do that. But you can say if he's unavailable or available. Right. That's all I need to know. Well, we get there. Delaney was at the forefront of this. Trent, it and was it, three years ago. I was in Chicago and I left Chicago. And, um, was it three years ago? Was it two years ago? Three years ago, yeah. Three years ago. Right. There wasn't one this year. Last year was his. Yeah, it was three years ago. And I left Big Ten Media Days 
thinking that, um, all right, the Big Ten is going to be the first Mm -hmm. to make it mandatory in their conference. And then what will that do? How will that trickle down? Will Will the other Power Five conferences be forced to follow suit? Felt pretty good that it was going to happen, and it didn't happen. And, <laughs> and there's it still hasn't happened. A two Big Ten teams that do this, right? Wisconsin, Wisconsin and North Northwestern. Western, yeah, right? those are the two. Mm-hmm. But then you have the other side where Michigan won't even release a two deep. Right. They won't even tell you who's who's going to be a starter, who's mm-hmm. going to be the backup at a position. And you have that part. Now two deeps are laughed at and scoffed at. Kirk Ferentz doesn't even know half the time who's on the two deep, and and they have jokes. It seems like once or twice a season that kind of comes out of that. You can get into the merits of it, but. You're right. I, I think it will eventually happen. The other part is, it probably wasn't at the forefront of the conversations this summer. No, true. <laughs> yeah, good point. It's a little bit different. Yeah. So let's right. give them the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. for this year. Mm-hmm. If we That's do a good point. get to some normalcy this spring and into the summer and those conversations yeah. come up again, then we can figure it out. I, I uh, saw something on Twitter. The, uh, it was a list of the top 15 non-conference games for 2021. Well, Cyhawk better be on it. I'm sure it, it's it was. But, it was good, but that wasn't the part of the conversation that I wanted to get your perspective on. I think it was Pete Futek, who we love having mm-hmm. on our program, College Football News, mm-hmm. and he said, "Unfortunately, I believe that many of these games will not be played." Really? And I didn't see anything more, and I just I thought about it for a moment. But do you believe that there is a greater than zero chance? that we're not going to see a normal 12-game college football season next year? Well, um, do I? So what does that mean? Fans in stands? Fans in stands, a cut more regional again, more conference games again, and cut down those non-conference costs that come along with it. Mm. Can you get more television revenue by saying, you know what, we're going to play 10 again this year and only two non-conference, and that means a couple of games go by the wayside, we have better inventory for you, our TV partner. Look, I guess if there was ever going to be a year that that might be on the table, it would be this because we're still obviously clearly not through this. Mm-hmm. Uh, people will say we're about to enter the darkest part of this. I ho- well, of course, everybody hopes not. I, that's a good. That's, a, that's a, I don't have an answer, Trent. Because I, I never, it never even crossed my mind that things wouldn't be back to normal in yeah. September. Well. You you had mentioned that, you know, I wonder about, I've told you, I wonder about my grandma. She's in her 80s. When's she going to get the vaccine? Mm-hmm. She doesn't know. All right. Well, there's an Osage has no idea. My my cousin's wife works for the county in terms of the health department. She doesn't know. Mm-hmm. And it felt like two months ago it was, yeah, by spring, everybody, if you want the vaccine, you'll be able to have it. Trent, I, I saw something that was released, I think it was last week. I don't know if this was directly from the governor or it was, I think it was a Polk County. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. But I do know that what it said was along the lines of, if you want to get a vaccine, it will be late summer into the fall before the general population in our part of the country mm-hmm. is able to do so. I don't know. So even somebody like you that's in your 60s? Yeah, but it's, it's um, I, I fall, and I'm glad to fall. Yeah, yeah, right. Trust me. Um, You're not going to work to change no, that. No, I think it's 65 up. Gotcha. 
And I'm just like like you. I don't know. I don't know the answer. <laughs> but I sure hope that it's normal. I do. Yeah. I mean, what what's normal going to be? What's sports going to be? This is one of the things. That's that's a that's a good example of it. Maybe you know. Maybe those games that you just mentioned for Alabama. Maybe the maybe the SEC does get on board and starts going away from these games. It's ridiculous that we're that all of these Power Five schools are playing for the same prize. They're running. The same race for that trophy, but they're not running the same course to get there. It makes no sense. It would be like the AFC West doing something different than the NFC West. I, I don't understand it. I really don't. And we know how difficult conference games are. And it doesn't matter the sport. It doesn't matter the league. It doesn't matter the level. When you play teams in your conference, teams that know you, the teams that scheme right. for you every single year, that recruit against you year after year, right. those are more difficult. Should Ohio State lose to Iowa or Purdue in the fashion that they did? Absolutely not. But that's what happens mm-hmm. in conference games. That's how Ole Miss in back-to-back years. Yeah, there's talent on those Ole Miss teams, but Alabama was still better, sure. yet they lost those two games in back-to-back to back this years. year, Trent. Yes, and not a very good Ole Miss no, team. No, as we found out. Conference they won their bowl, games but... are difficult. Uh-huh. And when you add another one, like the Big 12 has with the yep. full round robin, what the Big 10 has with the nine games, yep. it adds a more difficult layer to it. And the manipulation of your non-conference schedule also is taken away a little bit. I would love the uniformity. I would love to see everybody go to 9. 10 and 2. I, 9 and 3. Yes. I, I 10 and 2, I'm with you. I think that's perfect. I do too. And a little bit of control maybe to the scheduling given to a higher power. Mm-hmm. Will we ever get there? At, at least in the near term, in the next decade, that we'll have a... Who's going to be running college football? Is, yeah. is there a czar? That head person. Well, that, if there's a head person, then potentially yes. Right now there isn't. And there, what would it take to need to get there? Is it an expansion of the playoff? Is it, It's money, Trent. And, yeah. and all the schools are... I mean, look, college football saved athletic department budgets Mm -hmm. and college basketball is attempting to do its part and fingers crossed that it's it succeeds especially when we get to that cash cow that is march madness um i mean where would we be we where would athletic programs be had we not been able to those kids sacrificed and pulled it off and for those folks that don't think that you know, maybe there's some jealousy because I've seen it that Iowa State's got all their guys coming back, mm-hmm. and oh, that's what it's going to take. Half blah blah blah. All of these, all of these seniors and all of these athletes that sacrificed the way that they did to get to this point. Tip of the frickin' cap to you. Thank you from the pit of my heart for doing that. Honestly, I mean, what what they've done to entertain us and to keep athletic departments' budgets at least to an extent churning and flowing because the money that they were able to bring in from the television contest, that is a debt of gratitude, man. Well, and I think it was Barry Alvarez. I remember he was pointing at 95 to $100 million shortfall for this year before college football came back, before Big Ten football came back. And that number decreased. is still a $60 million, but $35, $40 million mm. just by getting 
this kind of schedule in there. It wasn't a full one for the Big Ten. And right, here's the other thing. We're not asking you to go back and do like you did in the 70s and 80s. The start of this century, that's where budgets were. Right. You know, it's still relatively in the back of your mind how it used to be. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can't carpet this area or put in that that fountain or whatever that you want to uh, include uh, to keep. Have you seen the Auburn plans for what oh, they're yeah. doing? My God. Clemson with the have... water slide inside their facility. Jesus. I mean, maybe you cut back on that. <laughs> I, I don't know. Is that asking too much? Well, anyways, let's take our first break. Then we'll get more into the game with Bama Bob. Uh, we will uh, take a look back at last night. We're starting to see some way too early lists that have come out. Some final APs. Uh, the uh, final AP rankings are out. Iowa State checks in at 9. Iowa checks in at 16. Where's Indiana. Indiana, Indiana's number 12. 12. Boy, the Hawks. <laughs> they, they, right Ready now, not. have, from pretty much every poll I've seen, top 10 Indiana, top uh-huh. 10 Iowa State to begin the season. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, well, here's the ESPN's way too early. Um, where's uh, Ohio, Iowa State is 8, Indiana's 10. So they'll start with the number 10 team in the country. Mm-hmm. Follow that up the very next week by going on the road, taking on the number 8 team in the country. Wow. Mm. Can't wait. It's a long way off, obviously. 10-22. It's time for another $1,000 slam dunk. Text the keyword WIN to 200-200 right now. It's your chance to win $1,000. WIN to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Hi, Bama Bob is next as we take you up until noon. We'll sprinkle in a little uh, NFL conversation with Nick Athen at 1050. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 1460 KXNO 106.3 FM, about 1028 on a Tuesday. Let's get Bama Bob in here as we take a good look at last night's college football national championship game. Game was close to 15 minutes or so, and then a look out below, uh, 28 second half points scored, or second quarter points scored, I should say, by Alabama. And the game was never in doubt. Bama, uh, Trent and Ken, thanks for coming on. Bama Bob, how are you? Uh, doing good, and uh, I've heard that song a few times <laughs> since last night. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I mean, listen, it was I, – I didn't expect the margin, obviously, to be that wide. Um, I also didn't expect Trey Sermon to go out on the first play of the game. Right. Not sure what um, made a difference, but you're right. Yep. Yeah, he's just a different kind of back than um, – Teague, Master Teague. Yeah, yeah. I, I keep. It sounds like a rapper's name, but it that's does. okay. Um, but yeah, he, um, you know, Teague is tough. I think on, on in the red zone and on the goal line because he's so big. But Sermon is kind of that breakaway guy, and you, I mean, you saw Fields a couple times get away from the defense. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, look, Alabama helped him once on the turnover, and and that gave him the seven that tied it, and. Uh, you got a little nervous if you were a, an Alabama fan when they came back. You know, 
I guess they went up. They they went down and scored to go up twenty one, and then and then Ohio State came back at what three plays seventy five yeah. yards to yeah. to to cut it to fourteen, and, and you knew that Devontae Smith was out of the game. He was over in the tent, and you also knew that Jalen Waddle shouldn't have played right <laughs> um, last night. So you know you you, you kind of got a little bit nervous. Maybe you know it was about three minutes left in the third, and two scores, and your two best players out. I mean, other than not, you know, Najee Harris was still there, but you know, look, it, it was just. I think the Ohio State linemen going out too really let Barmore just Wyatt, kind of wreak yep, havoc. Yep. Yeah, in the second half, I mean, because because Barmore <laughs> he earned himself some money mm, last night. He I'll really see. reminds me of Marcel Darius. If you want to go back a few years with. You know, to those first teams. But the number three overall pick, Marcel Darius. Went right yeah, behind Vaughn Miller. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I thought the Broncos but, made the wrong decision, by the way. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Turned out to be okay, yeah, didn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, you know, you felt, you could tell Fields was obviously hurting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he was, I, I think he was a little uh, gun shy to start, but. Look, when it came down to it, I mean, I, I hate it that Devontae Smith got hurt. I don't think it's a serious injury. Uh, everything you're reading today is uh, he might need surgery. Um, it, it was a dislocation, but they couldn't get it back in, and they didn't want to risk you know, tearing some tendons in order to, to pop it back. Um, that's why he was in the tent for so long. But, I mean, that kid just, <laughs> I mean, just, he just wreaked havoc mm-hmm. everywhere, Ken. I mean, he would have gone easily over 300 yards yep. if he'd have played but you know the entire game and uh the the play design from Sarkeesian on a couple of those was just brilliant well that fake you know, reverse that touchdown whether it was from five or oh, six yard line god. i mean my god how do you, you stop know, that i mean he just yeah he sprints one way right you know like stops he on a dime just, stops on a dime plants his foot goes the other way mac just kind of throws just lost it over yeah. the the guy's head a little bit and you know it's the race to the end zone and then you know the one on the where you know he he was sprinting right, and then he just kind of hits him in stride, and he turns around, and I mean the the play design was a, was incredible if you really watched it. I think Herb Street, I thought did a good job kind of pointing that out that it wasn't just you know talent. Yes, there's talent uh, everywhere, but the, some of the concepts were just beautiful. And then you know you saw the the long touchdown, the kid. That was by design to get him isolated on a linebacker. Yeah, Borland. That was a miss. I felt bad for Borland. I mean, <laughs> I did too. Yeesh. I mean, any. I mean, you could you could put an end up. Give me any linebacker in the yeah. NFL, and right. I don't know that he's going to stay with Devontae Smith. I mean, you know, when he when he gets a full speed ahead and you know gets a yard behind him, you're not going to catch him. But uh, I guess it was just the culmination of what we thought. You know, one of the one of the you know we saw last year with with Burrow and company at LSU. I thought that was just one of the absolute best offensive seasons I've ever seen and you know this one came pretty close to matching it I don't know if it was quite there um but it was it was close and the scary thing Ken is <laughs> you know if everybody were to stay they could have had Judy and Ruggs out there too and then then how bad would it have been <laughs> but um it, it was a fun game to watch fun season good distraction yeah um I kind of wish uh, I don't like really seeing you know five thousand students jamming the strip uh, after the game, but you know what are you going to do? So, Pamela, I want to get your perspective down there. Nick Saban winning his sixth title at Alabama, his seventh overall. 
cementing himself as the greatest college coach of all time. I, I know mm-hmm. that there are probably people, well, probably people in their 50s, 60s, and older 70s that maybe are still Bear Bryant people. How big is that contingent down there that still think that Bear is the greatest coach in college football history over Nick Saban? His ability to adapt, what they have evolved into, is just incredible. Yeah, there's going to always be a few. I think they're more in their 70s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm 56 today, actually. Yeah, so happy birthday, birthday. Ben. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, thanks. You know, 56 going on 76. So. I hear you. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, there's still going to be a faction of that. But, listen, there is no Alabama fan that doesn't appreciate what Nick Saban has done. Now, you know, the younger generation, obviously, this is this is all they've known for the last 12 or Hmm. 13 years and, and when you I mean six six titles in, in 12 years uh, you know this is his 13th season I think since he came here uh, you throw out the first one guys he's lost 11 conference games in 12 years Jesus. he's played for eight national championships he's won six of them he made the semifinal another time it's just absolutely ridiculous what the guy's done and you know, you mentioned all the guys they lost last year, first-round talent. And, sure, and Bama, let me just stop you for a second. I saw this last night, and I didn't realize this. Nine of the first 100 picks in last year's draft were on that Alabama team. <laughs> it's crazy. Nine of the first and 100, come, and then they follow up with this. And they might have nine of the first 100 again, Ken. I mean, it's you know you. I mean, you start looking down that roster on the you know when you go offensive line and mm-hmm. you know the two receivers obviously are going to go off the board. Sertan is going to go mm-hmm. off the board, uh, you know, early in the first round, and yeah. and it's it's you know Najee Harris might not be a first round, but I think he's going to be in the top three rounds. Oh, for sure, in the top one hundred. Bam, I think you he's know, worked it, his way late into the first round. I would be surprised if he's there on day two. I would be too, and I listen. The NFL is, is devaluing running backs mm-hmm. because you, you start to see, you know, the Zeke Elliott kind of contracts, and you kind of see where that goes because there is a shelf life on running backs in the NFL, unlike almost any other position. But the thing I think where Harris has really made money, guys, is in the passing game as a receiver, and he he showed it in the in the SEC championship game he showed it against Notre Dame the athleticism where he just hurdles the guy show me a guy in the NFL that can do that and then some of these catches you know where he's he has to kind of contort and you know you saw the the spin moves and everything else. I mean he is really a weapon in the passing game he's yeah. not just a, a running back he is he is truly a three down back and i think you can put some value on that barkley um, would be the only I, one that comes to mind that could that could do that of course he missed absolutely. the season due to injury but yeah yeah and you know i don't think you're going to see him go and he shouldn't go you know no not in that five, area like, right like, yeah yeah like like uh barkley and and you know zeke did but i listen if you're a guy if you're a team you saw what what the Chiefs did. You know, they went, you know, lat thirty two last year. They, mm-hmm. they grabbed Edwards Hilaire. He's been a weapon for them. Right. Okay, uh, so you could see another team drafting, you know, twenty eight to thirty. One of these playoff teams. How would he look in Green Bay, or you know, with Aaron Rodgers? Um, mm-hmm. You know, how would he look? You know, the Saints have Kamara already, but you know, a guy like that uh, can just he, and that's kind of who he reminds me of. I don't know that he's going to be as good as Kamara right out of the shoot, but. But he's a guy in the passing game, and he's not a. I don't think he's a back that you're going to hand. You know, is going to carry like a Derrick Henry. He's going to carry 350 times a year. But uh, you know, you can get him 15, 20 touches a game, and he's going to he's going to be productive. But 
Um, the, the the talent level is 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 just insane on that team. And and look, this was Saban's. I think it was his favorite championship because of everything that they had to go through. I mentioned it yesterday. The players that came back, you know, Smith and Najee, yeah, and Dickerson and uh, Leatherwood on the, you know the tackle. You know, four or five guys that could have gone last year that came back. They all bought in. And I thought Kirk Herbstreet made a great point last night. Devontae Smith, for all his production, is absolutely the most humble guy you will ever meet. He just doesn't trash his, talk. Yep. His demeanor just reminds me of Barry Sanders. You ever see Barry Sanders spike a football Mm-mm. as great as he Mm-mm. was? What did he do? Flip it to the referee. Yep. That's all that's all Smith does. He gets in the end zone. That's it. Plays over on to the next one. It's it's he's he's I don't know how you don't root for a kid like that. I really don't. Uh, no matter who your allegiance is, I don't know how you don't root for him. But um, he's going to make some money. Uh, I don't know that he's going to go third. I think that's sort of a smoke screen. The well, Dolphins trying to pair him back yeah. with Tua. But he, I mean, he could. But we'll see what happens. But he, he's. I'm happy for him because he's from just a little tiny town in Louisiana. And uh, I think he's going to be able to take care of his family from here on out. I'll say. So, uh, Bama, their preseason number one next season. I saw Georgia's number one or something, yeah. From the, I don't know, seven, eight that I've seen, I I think I saw all but one that had them in the top spot. They're going to be really good. But first of all, a little trivia. Do you remember the last non-conference game that they lost? During the regular season, not a bowl game, not Louisiana Monroe. You got it, yeah. Way back in two thousand seven. Here's their non conference schedule next year, Bama. Miami to yeah. kick things off. Southern Miss, New Mexico State, and Mercer, including <laughs> those last two in back to back weeks. That's an embarrassment. In November, right? Yes. That that's a yeah. that's a huge embarrassment. We gotta get better than this. Alabama Saban is good at being at the forefront of things. Can we start here? Get to nine conference games at the very least and get rid of back-to-backs against New Mexico State and Mercer. Well, here's the thing, Trent, and I agree with you on that. Um, and listen, it, it wasn't non-conference games. They've won 96 against un, 96 straight against unranked opponents. That's conference and non-conference. Jeez. That hmm. means you're winning the game that you're supposed to win. You're not going to have, you know, uh, you know, if you're Oklahoma, you're not going to lose to Kansas State, or you're not going to have one of these trip-up games. I mean, that... That to me is astounding. But you mentioned the schedule, and I'm looking at it here because you're right. A lot of a lot of Alabama fans. The, the model for Saban since he's been there has kind of been, you know, these neutral site openers, uh, and some of them have been nice. You know, again, they were supposed to play USC this year. Mm-hmm. They're going to play Miami next year. We've had Clemson a couple times, kind of as Clemson was building um, Virginia Tech. Uh, you know, remember the Michigan game with Brady Hope where they just ran him out of Dallas. But here, I'll tell you this, Trent, that model's changing. I'm going to read you just kind of their non-conference. Uh, 22 and 23, they got a home-and-home with Texas. 24 and 25, they got a home-and-home with Wisconsin. Uh, 25, they play at Florida State. 26, Florida State comes to Tuscaloosa. Then they've got West Virginia. 27, 28, they've got Ohio State. 28, 29, they got Notre Dame. So they are starting... You know, and listen, these games are always out, but starting year after next, they get a home and home with Texas, and then it's Wisconsin, and then it's Florida State, and then it's Notre Dame. So they are starting to schedule better. And I agree with you. Um, you know, 
Miami looks like a good game on paper. It's not going to be, no. especially with Derek King. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. who knows if he's going to be available? Uh, I hope he is, but I don't know. That's what eight nine months away. First game back. Not sure you want to go against Alabama on turf, but uh, they are starting to. That has been a complaint from Alabama fans for for quite a while. The only real home and home statements ever scheduled since he's been here. It was one, and this has been eight, nine years ago at least, they did a, do a home-and-home home with Penn State. Um, and that was really just kind of a you know, a, a gift for Paterno, I guess, before all the crap hit the fan up there. But they are starting to schedule big non-conference, true home-and-home home series. Um, Texas, Wisconsin, Notre Dame, Florida State, Ohio State. So I think that is a good thing. And you're starting to see this a lot more across the board because I think teams realize, A, fans want to, you know, they don't want to pay for for garbage like that. Neither do television networks. Neither do television networks. And look, a loss like that's really not going to hurt you. And certainly if you win, it's going to mitigate another loss on your schedule more than likely. So those are the kind of games fans want to see. And and so we're getting there with Alabama. Bama, we're out of time, brother. Uh, as um, I tell you all the time, I, these are two of my favorite segments of the week in the fall. Uh, Going to miss them, uh, but we will uh, reach out here in a few weeks and we'll jot down a number of topics that pop up between now and then. We'll talk a little college football with you. Uh, thanks for what you do for us, Bama, during the season. I know that you, uh, you come prepared. You watch a ton of foot college football, uh, and that's all we ask, and uh, that's why you're such a popular guest. Thank you, buddy. I always enjoy it, guys. And uh, I did see Trent, your futures bet, sir. Iowa State twenty-two to one next year, ahead of Ohio, uh, ahead of USC. How about that? I, I saw that too. Yeah, they're the sixth choice right now. <laughs> at least one of the offshores I saw came out with their yeah. odds for next season. Unbelievable, Bama. Yeah. Thank you, buddy. Good for them. Yeah, take for care, sure. guys. I've enjoyed it all season. Appreciate it. Take care. Good to talk to you. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye, Bama. Bob, join us uh, as he does each and every Friday and Monday through the uh, regular season. Alabama seven to. Two, Clemson four to one, along with Georgia. Ohio State at thirteen to two. Plus Where's Oklahoma? Oklahoma right behind that at plus seven fifty. And then the Iowa State Cyclones Jeez. at twenty five to one to win the national championship. The sixth choice. This is offshore at Bet Online, and I'm sure more and more of these will start cropping up. Give you a hundred dollar free play. Where are you You're going to give me a hundred dollar yep. free play. You're going to hang out at the Con and Casino. Here's $100. Throw it on any college football national championship pick you'd like. Well, I'm not betting one of the locals because I don't, I don't do that. Right. Uh, a little bit deeper. Seven and a half to one for Oklahoma? That's the one. Mm, I bet Alabama. <laughs> Why not? Keep that in your back pocket. You'd be feeling pretty good come next See, football uh, season. I think they have, two, don't they have two true freshman quarterbacks? Well, they have Bryce Young. Oh, do they? Okay. Yeah, who played late in the game last night. Okay, yeah. yeah. And right. there was talk this summer, at, not a lot, but every once in a while it crop up about, you know, Mac Jones maybe doesn't have the stranglehold on the job. Now, it was it probably summer fodder for a conversation no. on Feinbaum and the like, yeah, more than likely. Sure. But there were people that uh. really think Bryce Young is... The next Tua type of quarterback. Well, um, Mac Jones, uh, look, I I didn't appreciate him like uh, like I should have. He's just he's pinpoint. He's he's perfect for mm-hmm. that system. He really is. All right, we will uh, switch gears. Uh, we'll we'll stay on that championship theme though. We'll go from Alabama to the Chiefs. We're front runners here from ten to noon. Uh, we will get into uh, uh, Nick Athen next. He'll join us on the reigning champs as they will host Cleveland. 
kind of feel like Cleveland's Ohio State in this conversation. Oh, you do? You, uh, people are getting too excited from what they saw last week? I'm, yeah, I hope it's a good game. Come get your whooping? I think that's what's going to happen. Uh, Nick Athen next. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KX and Condon, welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Divisional games coming up this weekend. The Cleveland Browns will make their way to Arrowhead Stadium. The Chiefs on a losing streak, Trent Condon. It's got to be uh, two in a row to be a streak, doesn't it? I guess it probably does, yeah. They've lost one in a row. Uh, Nick, they're not playing well. They're not going into the playoffs the way they want. How are you? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. I know it. I know it. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, good That's to talk to you. No, it's good talking to you guys, too. Um, Nick, I, I, I feel like the Cleveland Browns are the Ohio State Buckeyes. I, I really do. <laughs> Getting led into uh, to Alabama last night. Look, I I, I want to see good games. In the, I'm not rooting against the Chiefs. I don't want to even get that opinion. Sure. I thought that the Ravens... You know, this weekend, had it have been had it have been Baltimore, the Chiefs had to play and then have to face Buffalo the, the following week. Uh, that would have right. been a stern test. Look, Cleveland, that was a nice win, but let's let's not forget how it happened. Right, the first snap of the game for crying out loud, Pouncey snaps it over Roethlisberger's head. It's seven nothing in like five seconds. Um, yeah. Is this going to be a good? Before we get into it, on the surface, mm-hmm. what do you expect? Good game, blowout. Where are you? You know, I think the Chiefs are due for a blowout. Um, I, I think the the Browns are due for the bubble to burst. And and listen, I don't want to take anything away from what the Browns have done and Kevin Stavansky has done. He's he's been brilliant, especially the fact that he sat on the sidelines. But let's be honest, he beat a Pittsburgh Steelers team that has lost its way, yeah. lost its quarterback, lost its identity. That you know, I wasn't surprised. You know that the Browns won. I was surprised at the way the Steelers played in the first quarter. I was surprised that, you know, when they were back in the game, they punted it midfield. Right. You know, those are things that, you know, are not going to be happening to the Chiefs in Kansas City for the Browns. They're going to have to really earn this victory. You know, if they're going to beat the Chiefs, the Chiefs, the Chiefs are not going to beat themselves as bad as the Steelers beat themselves. So, you know, to answer your question, I, I you know, I, I've always thought the wild card weekends were, were usually the closer games. And then when we got to the divisional mm-hmm. round, you know, you saw a lot of you see a lot of blowouts, and then the championship game obviously is a little bit tighter. So, um, I, I think that's the way it's going to be. I, I think, I think whoever wins these games this weekend, they're going to win by double digits. I don't think there's going to be a lot of a gray area in the fourth quarter. Um, I just think the four best teams will shine, and uh, I expect Kansas City to be one of them. What about the running game for Kansas City? And we talked a lot coming into the year, Clyde Edwards-Helaire coming in. Boy, just another weapon for them. It just never got on track. Offensive line, part of the issues and the injuries they had up front. But sure. do you anticipate this is hey, they're going to win another Super Bowl? It's going to be pretty squarely on the shoulders of Patrick Mahomes. Or do you anticipate an uptick in the run game come playoff time? The only way I think this offensive line is able to run the ball in the playoffs is if Andy Reid has the the guts to make some personnel changes along the offensive line. Mm. You know, put Kilgore at center. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I watch these things because I'm just, you know, I, I like watching plays and decisions. But if you go back to when Kilgore was in the game, he was in the game for two plays. What were the two plays against the Falcons? He had a clean pocket up the middle for Patrick Mahomes who threw the touchdown to Robinson. 
So he hadn't had a clean pocket in the center where he could just sit there and pick a defense apart. You know, Kilgore needs to play. I, I've heard both sides of the coin on Schwartz. He may or may not try to give it a go this weekend. That will certainly help, even if he's 75% best. You know, he's, he's still 100% better than Remmer. So, <laughs> yes. yeah. listen, I, I mean, you know, Wisniewski needs to play. He played really well last week. Um, I, I, th- I think Andy just has to shake some things on the offensive line. They're going to have to sacrifice something because they're going to have to run the ball more in the postseason. You know, I, I don't know the status of Clyde edwards hilarious. I have gotten zero intel out about it. anybody. Uh, I think Bell will be fine. I think Darrell Williams will be fine. But, you know, they're going to have to run the ball at some point. And if you remember, you, you go back to the Tennessee game, you know, the championship game a, a year ago, they ran the ball to start the third and the fourth quarter. I mean, they ran the ball a lot. And they were getting first downs. They did a little dump-off screen passes. And I think they have to do a lot of that against the uh, uh, Browns. Uh, just for time of possession, elongate some drives. You know, we all know the Chiefs can turn it on, you know, whenever they want to, but they they have to run the ball in the postseason. Uh, so do the Browns if this is going to be a football game, and they've got a, two, a two-headed monster in Nick Chubb, and you know well know Kareem Hunt. Uh, Chubb gets stronger as the game goes on. I know that's a football cliche, but it's true in this case uh, for Chubb. Is that the the biggest fear um, when when you look? I mean, Landry is is a, is a nice receiver. Clearly, uh, Baker Mayfield's kind of hit and miss. I think still at this point in his career, touchdown to interception ratio was much better this year. But Chubb and Hunt is that the fear stopping this Cleveland Browns one two punch at the running back position? You know, I think you definitely have to, you know, you have to keep an eye on it. I mean, it, you know, Kevin Stavansky is a smart coach. He's going to want to try and run the ball. But, you know, so did, the, so did the, the Titans. They tried to do that against the Chiefs, too, in the championship game. So, again, the Chiefs have shown a propensity for, you know, going up against good rushing teams in big games and being able to slow them down and stop them enough to where they force the quarterback to make plays. So that, that's, going to be their, that's going to be their number one goal is to stop the run, whether, whether Chubb or Hunter in there really makes no difference. They're both kind of the same running back, and I, and I think both of them have the same style. There's really no change of pace between the two, so it's just a matter of you know, cutting off the legs you know, to these guys that are, that are running at them. And for the, for the Chiefs, they have to plug the gaps. Okay, I mean, you know, Neiman has, has done the best he can can, but he's not a gap guy, and a lot of gashes have happened on this defense because of that. They have, and Willie Gade probably isn't going to play. So they're going to be really thin at linebacker. So, you know, guys like Daniel Sorensen and Tyron Matthew are going to have to step up. And that means some other secondary guys are going to have to step up as well, you know, to cover because they're going to have to come up and help run. So there's a lot of issues and a lot of things they have to deal with. But if it's third and six and third and seven and third and eight, you know, those are win downs, I think, for the Chiefs um, defensively. I, th- I think they can bring enough pressure though the Browns have arguably the best offensive line in the National Football League right now, um, and that certainly helps, too. They, they've, given, you know, they've given Mayfield a lot of clean pockets to play with, and when he's flushed out, he, he can make throws on the run. So um, he, he's done a terrific job. So uh, Crystal Bell, month here, Chiefs get their super, second Super Bowl. Eric Bieniemy's off somewhere as the new head coach. Doug Peterson sure reuniting with Andy Reid. Do you anticipate uh-huh. that? <laughs> I, I, I don't think – I think Airbnb might sit this one out, too. Huh. I, I'm, not hearing, I'm not hearing really strong. Uh, the interview process has not, been go- has not gone well. Jeez, I thought he was a slam dunk to be the Atlanta Falcons head coach. Um, as far as Doug Peterson goes, 
he's going to end up with the New York Jets. There's no way they're not going to take him. Uh, they, they've got draft capital. They've got cap space. They're going to trade a quarterback. They're going to draft a young quarterback. Um, I think that's the perfect fit for him. Um, I don't think he's going to come to Kansas City. The dilemma for the Chiefs is this. Andy Reid loves Mike Kafka. He wants him to be the next offensive coordinator. They do not want to let him go. They wouldn't let him go to the Eagles last year. So does that mean there's going to be a rift, you know, with the enemy doesn't get a job and what to do with Kafka? You know, maybe the Chiefs have to make a similar decision that they made, you know, in letting uh, Chris Ballard go and keeping John Dorsey, which ultimately didn't last very long because Brett Beach ultimately took over. So the, the Chiefs have a lot of decisions to make in the offseason. And I think some, some coaches on the staff, are probably, you're going to probably see some changes, but I'm not, I'm not 100% sold that the enemy is going to get a job. Nick, Nick, we're out of time, brother. Just real quick, uh, music's playing. Who's coming to Arrowhead next week? Buffalo, Baltimore. One word answer. Baltimore Ravens are coming to Kansas City. Talk to you on Monday, Nick. Thank you, buddy. Take care. Bye-bye.